You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 99. Well, hey there, Amy here. Welcome to the Happy and Healthy Podcast. And thank you so much for joining me today. So can you believe that Christmas is now only 10 days away? Well, at least at the time that this particular podcast is made available when it drops. So if you are brand new to this podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you decided to spend some time with me today. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. I've spent the last few episodes covering topics that really are related to handling the holidays with grace and gratitude. So this included compliments on weight loss, the feeling of overwhelm, and the ever popular dealing with energy vampires. So what I want to do today is actually shift now. We're going to (laughs) pivot I know that word's been overused, but we're going to pivot now to looking forward past the holidays into the new year. So if weight loss or getting in shape is one of your new year's resolutions, then this is definitely an episode you want to listen to because today we're going to be talking about your relationship with food. Actually, let me add to that because this isn't limited to just folks who believe they need to lose some weight or get in better shape. This is really for anyone who has a focus and preoccupation with food or with weight, right? If you struggle with emotional eating, if there are certain foods that you believe are off limits, anything along those lines, because I really, I really do believe that it actually creates unnecessary suffering. So what I want to do is really help you, one, figure out what your relationship with food is, and if it needs healing, what you can do moving forward. So when you look at dieting, there's a ton of research that backs up my assertion that diets don't work. For example, A team of UCLA researchers who reviewed 31 long-term studies on the effectiveness of dieting concluded that dieting, are you ready for this, is a consistent predictor of weight gain. There was also research conducted on nearly 17,000 kids ages 9 to 14 years old So for those of you who are parents or work with kids a lot, this research found that dieting was a significant predictor of weight gain. And moreover, the risk of binge eating increased with the frequency of dieting. So in the long term, when we turn to dieting for weight control, it's really not only ineffective, <laughs> it has the, the effect that's opposite to what we actually want. So you've heard me talk about this before. The attachment to the outcome 
gets us in trouble. It's not to say that I'm opposed to goals or getting results. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But when we talk about weight loss, I've covered in past episodes how we go on to go about setting up those goals. And I can't remember what those actual uh, episode numbers are or titles off the top of my head, but I will include them in the show notes for you, all right? So again, I am not opposed to setting goals, having that goal of weight loss as an example, all right? But what we're talking about here is your ability to detach from the outcome and focus on the process. And so inside Moxie Club, when I talk about listening to our body, this borrows a lot from intuitive eating. So this is a program that was created by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, all right? And in an interview not too long ago, Evelyn talked about how you can really think of intuitive eating as a self-care eating framework. So where mindful eating is a skill, that ability to be present, to really focus on tasting and savoring the food, intuitive eating is about how you listen to your body and noticing where your mind goes when you eat, becoming aware of your thoughts and discerning, do these serve me or not? All right, so again, I'm always talking about how we want to work with our brain and body. And as much as we wish it weren't the case, diets simply work against our brain and body. So if you have a history of dieting, chances are you have the food police in your head talking to you all the time when you're eating or about to eat, or thinking about eating. And the food police are there to enforce the food rules that you've picked up along the way. So where did these food rules come from? You can ask yourself, are there specific incidents when you were growing up? Maybe it was around cleaning your plate. Or Maybe it was when food was set up as a reward, like you couldn't have candy unless you did X, Y, or Z. Or it could even be that sweets weren't allowed except for special occasions. And just to be clear here, this is not about criticizing parents who set up these rules. They were well-intentioned, I have no doubt. So cleaning your plate could be all around waste, not, want, not. We don't want to waste. I understand that. And rewarding behavior that you want is perfectly natural, as is wanting to make sure that your kids aren't eating too many sweets. I totally get that. So I know parents have the best of intentions, and we're all trying our best. So this is really more about when you know better, do better, as Maya Angelou said, when you know better, do better. Okay, now when we talk about food rules, of course, we have to address those that have come from dieting. Where, for example, you might have gotten the rule to avoid eating, quote, bad carbs. So inside Moxie Club, 
We will not refer to food as bad unless we're talking about something like a severe peanut allergy or if you're really sensitive to gluten and you have celiac disease. That's when I would actually say, yeah, that's probably not good for you (laughs) to be eating those foods. But otherwise, you won't hear me use the word bad as it relates to food. Okay, so food is just food. All the meanings, that relationship we have with food is one that we've actually constructed. Biologically speaking, we obviously need food. And in the world we live in, because we need food and we need money, we want to make sure that we have relationships that serve us there. So going back to those rules now, anytime you catch yourself using words like bad carbs or cheat days, if you think of certain foods as being forbidden or sinful, when you find yourself feeling like you're being sneaky when you eat them, these are flags. These are nice red flags for you to really pause and practice some of the techniques I'm going to cover in a few minutes. All right. So when we rely on things like tracking points or counting macros or counting calories, anytime we're using external measures or relying on that restriction, what are we doing? We are actually hijacking our body's own ability to guide itself, and really to connect with and trust our own inner wisdom. That ability of our body to tell us both when we're hungry and when we're full. So food is clearly something we need. Unlike smoking or alcohol, which are really optional, We need food in order to survive, just like we need to be able to breathe. And as a matter of fact, if you deprive yourself of food, after a while, what actually kicks in is primal hunger. Think about when you're really hangry, (laughs) all right? When you're in that state, it really isn't possible for us to be functioning at an optimal level. As a matter of fact, in the Minnesota starvation study, you can go look that up. These were college-age subjects. They were men who were conscientious objectors to World War II. And they were put on a restricted calorie diet of around 1,700 calories a day, which is half of what college-age men who are active right at that time probably needed for their body. And one of the things that happened when that state of scarcity was created, they actually lost interest in sex. (laughs) All right. So we're talking about young men. Okay. How many times a day are they thinking about sex normally? And what happened when their bodies were deprived. Now, of course, when I talk about our relationship with food, you've heard me talk about the return to joyful eating. What does that mean? That means that 
biologically, we are supposed to derive pleasure from eating. Okay, as a matter of fact, eating is a biological imperative, just like breathing and just like sleeping. We are pre-wired for that. We're supposed to enjoy food. And actually, when the relationship with food gets in the way of even things like celebrating birthdays or enjoying a Thanksgiving meal, these are, again, indications that we want to heal our relationship with food. And then the biggie is when we use food. So this is now we're talking about emotional eating, whether you're eating because you're stressed or bored or upset and looking for comfort. When we use food to cope with these emotions as opposed to eating food for nourishment and to solve physical hunger. When we're doing that, this is a sign that it's time to build some new skills. So inside Moxie Club, we have a workshop on emotional eating. So this is all about recognizing the trigger and then either creating a new routine. So it could include things like meditation or movement. It could be actually processing the emotion if that's needed. Or when we talk about managing our mind, it could be all around reframing the thought that's triggering the feelings that lead us to want to eat to begin with. All right. So these are all examples of when we really want to take a look at our relationship with food and the underlying beliefs that we have that are driving how we feel and then how we react. And what we want to do is be able to respond instead of react. Okay. Because when we talk about your relationship with food, right, one that serves us is not one where we're eating a sleeve of cookies or an entire carton of ice cream. Because I do believe if you're actually listening to your body and you make peace with food, then for a lot of folks, that urge to binge would go away. Mind you, I am not suggesting that binging as a, as a disordered eating pattern is super easy to solve. For some folks, there's a lot more going on with it than just the relationship with food, okay? But if you're one of the lucky ones where the binging really comes from the thought where you're creating scarcity, we can solve for that. So one of the things we need to do is address rules that are really rigid. Okay, so this would include rules like you should avoid eating bad carbs, like pasta and bread. And then with the popularity of the ketogenic or keto diet, I know that's actually become one of those diet rules that really doesn't serve us. And then of course, with the new year, I have no doubt that some folks are thinking about this rule. No alcohol for the month of February. (laughs) Of course, we're choosing the shortest month, right? 
So for those of you who have been longtime listeners, you know that I'm always saying we want to give ourselves permission to eat the foods that we want. But at the same time, I want you to ask yourself, do I really want this? So what do I mean? I mean, knowing why you're eating and becoming aware of the thoughts you have when you are eating. So this is really about being able to enjoy food again, joyful eating. So it's not even just about not having anxiety or freedom around it. It is really about being able to enjoy, truly enjoy the foods that you love. Now, the other thing around those rigid rules I've talked about before is that we're creating a state of scarcity. And when we do that, we wind up rebelling against it. We want it more. Okay, so if you have restricted yourself, if you have made that food off limits, you've created scarcity in your mind. And so when we're around those foods, there also tends to be fear. Okay, so think about illicit drugs as an example. Okay, when this is something you're not supposed to use, there would be fear, fear of getting caught. Now, if you believe, for example, that you have a sugar addiction, what does this also mean? It means that you no longer trust your body. You no longer trust yourself around that food. And so clearly our goal is to heal that relationship with food. So based on everything I've described, if you now feel like, yes, my relationship with food could clearly use some help. Here are some things that I would love for you to try. So one is that skill of mindful eating. This is all about slowing things down, really paying attention, getting present, taking the time to taste the food that you're eating. So in mindfulness-based stress reduction or mindful eating, there is an exercise with a raisin. And for the sake of brevity, and because you probably don't have a raisin handy right now, I'm not going to go through the instructions for that here. I will provide a link to some videos to walk you through that, All right? Timing-wise, if there are foods that you have deemed to be forbidden, if you will, these are ones where if the thought process for you is almost like the alcoholic when it comes to drinking, where one glass is too many and a thousand isn't enough. Okay. If that, if those are your thoughts around things like sugar, so whether it's candy or cookies or cake or pie, or if it's around things like chips or cheese and crackers, whatever that might be, what you want to do is actually find a time Okay, the appropriate time would be when you're well rested, when you're not hungry. Okay, so I don't want physical hunger to be affecting this. I really want you to be able to pay attention to the taste of the food. 
And then I want you to practice the mindful eating exercise. But instead of using the raisin, I want you to use whatever that food is that you're afraid of. Whether it's an Oreo or ice cream or the cheese and crackers, whatever it is. And I do believe that with this mindful eating exercise, you can learn to trust yourself around those foods again. But it will require you to let go of those rigid rules. They can be guidelines, but it's that rigidity that we want to be on the lookout for. Again, do this when you're not hungry and you're in a good place. Okay, and then ask yourself a couple of questions. Do I like how this tastes? Do I like the texture? Do I like how I feel when I eat this? So inside Moxie Club, our approach is based on a three-pronged strategy. First, we want to focus on key habits. And I have identified five fundamental ones for lasting weight loss and eight for a happy and healthy life. The second is to listen to our body. And the third is to manage our mind. And our goal is really all about being able to live the life that we want. So if you want a life where you don't struggle with things like body image or with food or with self-sabotaging negative self-talk, This is really why I created Moxie Club. So it's not just about the the weight loss, but I understand that for a lot of folks, we want to prove to ourselves that we can get the results that we set out to achieve. I totally get that. And so this is where we start. All right. So if you want more information on intuitive eating, there is a great episode in the 10% Happier podcast by Dan Harris. Um, I will provide a link in the show notes so that you can take a listen to that. Um, And then if you want more information on Moxie Club, I would encourage you to take the free three-part training that is available you just go to moxie-club.com. And then if you are interested in working with me, I am opening a new group starting in January. So you can go to the website and after you take the training, you'll be provided with a link to join the pre-sale list. Okay, and then you'll be given early access when the group opens up and there will be actually some special bonuses and stuff like that also. All right. So I'm going to wrap things up with a quote by Henry David Thoreau. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E 
www.thelove-club.com and sign up for my free mini course, How to Lose Weight for the Last Time. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens. <laughs>